Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. should have said earlier my pronouns are she her hers I got so excited I just forgot my manners I'm sorry we're reading tonight from the gospel of Mark and we're picking up where we left off last week we're in a a several week worship series called the one of God's own choosing and these early stories in Mark's gospel present Jesus as a real boss badass, like a muscular Messiah who carries the reign of God on his person and offers real help where he can, provoking a backlash from the powers that be. And so I'll begin tonight in chapter 1, verse 40, and I'm going to read straight through through chapter 2, verse 12, two stories back to back. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, Oh, I do choose. Be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. Just go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. (laughs) But that man went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer even go into a town openly. He had to stay out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this fellow speak in this way? It's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why? Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to this paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up, take your mat, and walk? But so that you may know that the son of humanity has authority on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, he says, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were all amazed. 
and glorified God, saying, well, we have never seen anything like this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title for tonight's service and the sermon embedded within it, Jesus wants you to go home. Rather, I should say, Jesus wants you to go home if and only if going home is the right move at the right time for you. Like that leper at the end of Mark chapter 1, or maybe we should say that person with leprosy, not wanting to fall into the age-old trap of reducing any person's identity to their diagnosis. (laughs) That guy... That guy comes right up to Jesus, which is completely against the rules. If you've got any one of the oozing, contagious skin diseases that were grouped all together under the heading leprosy in the ancient diagnostic manuals known as Leviticus and Deuteronomy, that guy comes right up to him and falls to his knees and just begs Jesus to make it go away. He really should not have done that, but, but he did. And I think that we are well positioned now by experience to understand that this guy is just sick to death of the enforced distance, the isolation, the quarantine required by his condition. I mean, who knows how many Sabbaths have been subsumed by his long season of leprosy tide how many weeks and months and years he's been kept away from his synagogue from his friends from the prayers and to a certain extent in a religious system that did not know one thing about a personal relationship with God he's been kept away from God's very own self I mean just picture him just picture him on a hillside overlooking his local synagogue, watching his former neighbors and his former family making their way inside on a Saturday for worship. And then picture him trudging back to that little cave that he's found in that rocky hillside and just curling up with himself to sleep the day away. No Netflix binges, no DoorDash, just endless days of loneliness stretching out in both directions past and future as far as the mind's eye can see and then see him running down that hill at a breakneck pace when he spies in the distance that little band of travelers that he has heard rumors about I mean gossip spreads in the leprosy community I don't know if you know just tripping and tumbling his way down to that dirt road, wanting to head them off at the pass. When they get close enough to where he is, a couple of them can see him now on his knees, his hands clasped in front of his heart in a posture of prayer. They get a little closer, and they can see that those hands are wrapped in filthy bandages. Indeed, there are quite a lot of bandages. Indeed, there's quite a lot of filth. And they start to get, I don't know, itchy. And they put themselves in front of the guy that they all seem to be protecting. So the one with leprosy figures, that's probably the one he needs to talk to. So he says, he says as loudly as he can, the disease and the cave dwelling having diminished his respiratory capacity significantly. I've, I've heard, <coughs> I've heard 
that you can make me clean if you want. It's not a request, really. It's just a repeated rumor infused with so much hope that it's dripping desperation. If you want, you can make me clean. Make me clean, not heal me. Repair my cells and systems, banish this virus, cure me of this disease, but clean me up. Katharizo in Greek, from whence our catharsis and catheter. Get it out. Whatever is impure, whatever is wrong with me, whatever is keeping me from the company of my beloveds, make me clean if you want. Oh, my friends, Jesus absolutely does want and absolutely is going to do that with that righteous, refreshing reign of God that he carries with him everywhere he goes. But first, first, before the catharsis, before cleaning him up, he's going to push past those bodyguards and do the one thing that nobody has dared to do since the day that leprosy was diagnosed by a priest. Verse 41, moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Touched him. Oh my God. Are you feeling that with me, you beautiful embodied souls who went more than a year without hugging another human being, without feeling the sweet pressure of someone else's warm body against yours, without inhaling the strawberry scent of someone else's shampoo? Are you experiencing how the electricity of that first in a long damn time caress? coursed through the whole entire body of that man with leprosy, however much of a body the leprosy had left him. Just a jolt of pure connection, a remembrance of incarnational love that I think he and we will never take for granted again. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. And then he said, only then he said, yes, yes, your catharsis is what I want. Be clean. And immediately, Mark says, Mark loves to say that, immediately it happened inside and out, bandages falling away, a deep cleansing breath. <gasps> all the way to the bottom of his restored lungs. And I think we would not be far off if we imagined a miraculous haircut as well. And some instant manscaping of those eyebrows and ear hairs, his clothing magically cleaned and pressed so that it doesn't look like he's been sleeping and waking in the same rags forever. Teeth polished, maybe? Nails buffed? You know, the whole package, catharizo, all cleaned up. And if in your mind's eye, Jesus now looks like Jonathan Van Ness in a sequin crop top, wielding a little bottle of boutique beard oil, it's probably fine, though we are always mindful not to let white Jesus get too much of a purchase in our imaginations. See, I'm saying the grooming, the, the restoration of this man's broken body to its former wholeness is, is more than simple relief from disease. 
Because see, what, what he's got to do next, what he's got to do now, is walk into that town and stop by the synagogue where he's going to have to take off all those clean clothes and do a 360 in front of the priest, probably more, open wide, say, ah, lift your tongue up. Now bend over, spread your cheeks. Oh, how the job of the priest has evolved over all these centuries. Thanks be to God. But see, in that system, he's got to really show that he's clean now, all the way clean and ready to return to life among humans who we can only hope are going to be ecstatic to have him home. Go on. Go on now, Jesus says. Go find the priest. Show your whole beautiful self to him. Make your offering, and then just go on home. But, but hey, friend, friend, before you go, just one thing. Don't... Uh, don't tell anybody what happened here today. Yeah, I, I mean, I could really use some time. You see, I'm, I'm kind of working a plan here, okay? Yeah, that didn't really work out. I mean, Mark says that the formerly leprous man gabbed to everybody he saw. And I mean, anyway, how was he going to keep it on the down low, his not having leprosy anymore? Right. <laughs> his return from the lonesome hillside, his being now at home. Mark apparently thinks, to get this, get this, Mark apparently thinks that it's okay to show us that Jesus does not always get what he wants. <laughs> Maybe because what God wants just kind of runs right over what he wants, and that's fine, it's fine. It's part of the human experience to come up with a plan and have it not work. And Jesus is the son of humanity, so not all of his plans always work. Thanks be to God. Here's where I really want to get to with this story and the story that comes right after it in chapter 2. That though the stories of the man with leprosy and the man with a serious mobility impairment are classified broadly in the gospel subgenre of healings, Neither narration actually uses that word, healing. Rather, there is an understanding between Jesus and the one in need of help that the help you need is not always the help everybody else thinks you need. Case in point, the one about the man coming down through the roof of the house that is so crowded because that other guy, you know, the one who got all cleaned up just could not keep quiet. I don't know what those four people who dug through the roof for his sake thought was going to happen when they broke through the ceiling, but if they were as ableist as we often are, they probably placed their bets on a nice post-healing, upright, symmetrical stride for their boy. So when Jesus said what he said, I'm thinking there was a long minute of stunned silence. Because what Jesus did not have in mind to do, at least in the first place, was make it so the guy could walk. Jesus is not ableist. He sees that the guy is on a mat, on the floor. It does not take a Messiah to discern the disability. But Jesus knows that the help you need is not always the help that everybody else thinks you need. Now it's time 
for something completely different. Son, he says, oh, there is a whole world packed into that little vocative, a world of recognition and relationship and blessed belonging. Son, he says, your sins are forgiven. And oh, can you feel that one? As much as you felt the last one, that touch of Jesus or the untouchable man, can you feel the heavy doors to the secret chambers of your heart just fly open, locks sprung, so that the deepest secret you have ever kept, the most monstrous deed you have ever done or imagined, the wickedest, selfishest thoughts you have ever thought are exposed to the light of the love in his voice? Can you feel the shame melt away and the fear of exposure lose its grip on you? The guilt of any harm you've ever done or wanted to do (laughs) dissolving into nothing. Oh, you still can't walk, but who cares? You are lighter than air now. You will fly forever on the wings of that forgiveness. The story could have ended there. It does not, of course, because the, the VRPs are in the room, the very religious persons who think that God cares more for the soul than for the body. So Jesus goes on ahead and repairs the spinal injury or whatever it is that has kept this man down for so long. Though for Jesus, please notice, it still does not seem like the walking is the main thing. Going home is the main thing. Stand up, he says. Take your mat and go home. Not walk, go home, he says. Which kind of makes me think maybe this fella has not been home in a while. Mm. Maybe whatever he needed forgiveness for has something to do with them not wanting him around anymore. Maybe he hurt someone, maybe on purpose, Maybe they kicked him out. Maybe now that he's got Jesus' forgiveness and can ambulate on his own, Jesus figures his first destination ought to be one where he can make amends and get on with his life. Son, Jesus called him. Son, and I'm thinking maybe that's the key right there. Maybe that's the wrong that needs to be made right. Again, it's not a story about miraculous healing, at least not as its primary point. It's about Jesus really seeing the person right in front of him and then wanting for that person whatever they need for their all-around health, not simplistic, one-dimensional healing of the body, but real and holistic Health, including and sometimes even prioritizing health of spirit and mind and relationship and community. I do not intend to diminish the deep down awfulness of physical illness and chronic pain and some experiences of physical disability. Mortality sucks, pain bites. 
impediments to getting where you need to go can kiss my ass or yours. What I'm hoping to communicate here is that for Jesus, who is filled with compassion for physical suffering, who knows quite well what it feels like for one's nervous system to be overwhelmed by pain, you are so much more to him than that. He sees all of you and wants for all of you to be well, truly well, not only your body and maybe not even your body if there is something else that you need more than that. Maybe we should call these stories miracles of flourishing. Maybe we could tell them alongside our own stories of miraculous flourishing. During Pride Month, especially, we could reflect on what it means that Jesus looks at a guy who's been cut off from his religious community and sends him right back there for readmission to worship and prayer. The healing of the leprosy is just a workaround for the exclusivity of the fearful community. Maybe we could consider that this very same miracle, that is the reconnection of a spiritual refugee with a community of faith, is within our power if, and this is a big if, if we build churches that don't cut people off, squeeze people out, kick people out, hoping somehow to prevent the contagion that we're most afraid of. During Pride Month especially, maybe we could think about what it means that Jesus sees in the man on the mat an opportunity to put him back together with his family, no matter what he's done or what has happened to him. And we could consider that this very same miracle, that is the homecoming of that son, is within our power if, and again, this is a big if, if we can form families that love each other through change and difference, that are not afraid to embrace the kids we raise, families that find delight in each one becoming the person they are meant by God to be. During Pride Month and all the other months, Maybe we could imagine together how Galileo Church, as part of the body of Christ, can continue this flourishing ministry that Jesus began. How will we work those miracles, harness that reign of God power so that each person here, wherever here is for each one tonight, gets exactly what they need for their own flourishing, not a one-size-fits-all assumption of wellness, but the gift of discerning how best to support and empower the holistic health of each. If you want that, that first man said to Jesus, if you want that, oh, oh, I definitely want that, he said to that man and to all of us. And I want that, I'm saying to all of you. And we want that for each other, do we not? And here, 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 right here is where we start to get it. Thanks be to God. 
Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.